Hello, my misties. It has been a long week. I'm so sorry. I haven't been able to record a podcast. It has just been a crazy week, and I just wanted to take the week off and just kind of decompress before I had some other things that I had to deal with. But for this week, right now, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite authors. And it's so crazy because this whole story is a bit of mystery and a bit of history. And ironically, um, this person's birthday is on January 19th, and today's January 9th. So happy early birthday. And I didn't realize it was this person's birthday until I started researching. So, who are we talking about? Well, if you're new here, this is Murder, Mystery, and History. My name's Christy. So, I wanted to talk about Edgar Allan Poe. And this is, like I've said, a real mix of mystery and history. And if you don't know anything Edgar Allan Poe has written, he is widely considered the father of the detective fiction genre. And that most people will associate him with gothic fiction. And most people actually only know him by uh, the poem The Raven, which ironically is one of my favorite poems. But this is a poem that you see, for lack of better words, bastardized yearly around Halloween time. Everybody has their take on The Raven. If you read The Raven, it's less gothic fiction and it's more about a man's eventual descent into madness. But there's there's a lot to unpack. We're not going to talk about The Raven for 45 minutes. <laughs> so, one of the other things that people don't seem to realize is he's actually one of the contributing fathers of science fiction. Isn't that cool? And he was also one of the first people to create and publish short stories. And the thing is, I mean, The Raven is one of his most popular works, and when you talk about the other stuff that he's done, it's virtually unknown because people just know him by The Raven. He he is most notably known for gothic fiction. We'll get to that in a little bit more. So Edgar would be born in 1809. His father would later abandon him, his older brother, younger sister, and his mother. His mother would later die within a year from consumption. And basically what consumption was is pulmonary, tubu tubu pulmonary tuberculosis. Pardon me. Edgar would be taken in by John and Francis Allen. Though he was never formally adopted, he would consider this his adoptive family. And his full name, Edgar Allan Poe, actually comes from John and Francis Allen. He put the Allen as his other surname. Now, he would be spoiled by his adoptive father, but he would also harshly be punished. And that was kind of the birth of his childhood, so to speak. Poe would later attend the University of Virginia in 1826. He would start to increase debts from gambling and booze, and he would largely blame his adoptive father for not sending him enough money to succeed in school, saying he didn't have enough money for tuition, for books, to buy a dorm room, and this was his adoptive father's fault. And because they had this argument about money, he was cut off. Bo would, would be financially cut off, and the pair would stop speaking. 
In order to support himself, he would have to find jobs as a clerk and a newspaper writer. And we can only imagine that writing newspaper articles, this would maybe start with the detective fiction, because when you're writing an article and interviewing someone, you kind of have to get the whole story. So perhaps this is what helped create detective fiction. At this point in his life, he would start using the pen name Henry Lorenet. But unfortunately, these jobs were not enough to support him, and Edgar would soon enlist in the U.S. Army. He would lie about his age, saying he was 23, but he was really only 18. He would lie about his name, calling himself Edgar A. Perry. And at this point, he would start to try and publish books. The first book he published was a book of poetry, and it would receive very little, if any, attention at all. And he would maybe sell 40 to 50 copies, if that. So Edgar at this point is well within his military career. And he's already served two years. And he's had enough. He doesn't want to be in the army anymore. He would reveal his true name to his commanding officer to try and get discharged from the army. Now, his commanding officer would only allow him to be discharged early if he made up and apologized to his adopted father. Remember John Allen? Well, for John Allen's part, he ignored the numerous letters Edgar would send for months. And it's only considered the reason that he even eventually would answer Edgar is when Francis Allen died. And that is... I, it is widely rumored that John Allen didn't even let Edgar know that Francis Allen was sick. So, the day after his eventual discharge, Edgar would go and visit his adopted mother's gravesite. What was said at this gravesite, we'll never know. In 1830, Edgar would finally be disowned by his foster family for good. Edgar would get in arguments with John Allen about the children that John Allen would have out of wedlock, even though he remarried his new stepmother. So between these arguments about the new marriage, children born out of wedlock, John Allen finally had enough, and he would disown Edgar Allan Poe. And this was kind of considered the final straw. Edgar and John wouldn't speak again. In 1831, Poe would release another book of poetry. And at this point, I'll add that Edgar was not an only child. He had an older brother and a younger sister. His older brother in 1831 would die due to complications with alcoholism. It seems this trait, alcoholism at best, would run through Edgar's family and he too would fall victim to this. Edgar would try even harder to make a living writing now. The problem was that many publishers or newspapers wouldn't pay their writers, ever. So Edgar would have this humiliating habit that he would have to beg for money and help. However, in 1833, he would win a prize for a story he wrote called MS, Bound in a Bottle. And this single story would lead him to the right people and he'd become assistant editor of the Southern Literary Messenger. Now, remember when I said that alcoholism would play heavily in Edgar's family? 
There's a saying that those who have great genius are crushed by the weight of their own genius. Edgar would be fired from this job as an assistant editor within a couple of weeks because he was showing up drunk all the time trying to do the job. And so he's been let go of this job. And this is kind of where one of the most messed up parts of the story is. Um, so Edgar would get married. He had been engaged once before to a woman named Sarah, who would not wait for him. And with Sarah, his first engagement, he was in university and she married somebody else while he was in university and he was devastated when he found this out. So he finds out that Sarah's married and he starts drinking. This was in 1827. Um, this is when his debts would largely increase. And this is part of the reason why his adoptive father stopped talking to him. Anyways, so her name was Sarah. Their engagement failed. Sarah married somebody else in 1827. Now, this is 1835. Edgar gets a marriage license to marry a girl named Virginia in 1835. He was 26 years old. She was 13. She was also his cousin. Somehow, at this point, he manages to talk his way back into the good graces of the Southern Literary Messenger and is awarded his job back. He claimed to improve the circulation of this newspaper, Messenger, by 700 to 3500, and this is only according to Edgar Allan Poe. He would also have a real wedding ceremony, but he would have witnesses lie and say his bride was 21 when she was 13. So, that's, that's something there. Um, even in, like, the 1800s, it was frowned upon to marry someone that young. Like, that, that was not something that was very well thought of. If we're talking in European monarchies back in, like, 1435, even then, it was, you don't marry someone that young and if you do you have to hold off on the wedding night so it's it was not very well thought of that he would do this if someone found out her real age when they got married it would have been disastrous for the pair now for around 11 years things were pretty good for Edgar he would publish some books he would try to work within the United States government but he would miss his appointment to discuss the position he was applying for because he was drunk. However, all things considered, those 11 years were pretty good for Edgar until they weren't. They really, really weren't. In 1842, Virginia would start to show signs of tuberculosis. She would be playing the piano and according to Poe, broke a blood vessel in her throat. And Edgar would start to drink even more under the stress of her illness. And in January 29th, 1845, he would publish the poem that to this day bears his mark on the world. 
the Raven. This poem made him an instant household name. Everybody knew who Edgar Allan Poe was from this day on. In 1847, Virginia died, and it's widely considered that Edgar never really recovered from her death, and he was considered severely unstable after her death. He would end up trying to marry another American poet named Sarah Whitman, but that fizzled out pretty quickly, and he would end up rekindling with his childhood sweetheart, you know, the one who married someone else instead of waiting for him, Sarah Royster. And now, I can hear you saying, this is all well and good except for marrying your cousin, but where's the mystery here? Well, get ready. So. 1845, 1849, pardon me. Poe was found delirious on the streets of Baltimore. He could, he could barely talk. He was wearing clothes that were hit, that were not his. They did not fit. He kept calling out the name Reynolds. What the hell? And he died pretty quickly. And all medical records of his death are gone. Even his death certificate is gone. So at this point, we don't even know what he died from. So there are a couple theories. Newspapers would report that his death was congestion of the brain or cerebral inflammation, meaning swelling of the brain. And these were commonly considered euphemisms for alcoholism. The actual cause of death is unknown. And it could have been heart disease, syphilis, epilepsy, cholera, carbon monoxide poisoning, hell, even rabies. And there is a theory that this actually holds out and makes a little bit of sense. There's something called cooping. And cooping was a form of electoral fraud. So people would be getting beat up, threatened to be murdered, or forced to vote several times under the guise of other people. And this was widely done. I don't know if it's still done, but it was widely done in the 1800s and 1900, early 1900s. And there's a theory that Edgar Allan Poe was beaten so badly and forced to vote again and again and again under somebody else's name. And that's the theory, that he was a victim of cooping. But really, let's talk about one of the other mysteries here. Because there's more than one. Rufus Wilmot Griswold. So, Rufus Wilmot Griswold and Edgar Allan Poe had a grudge against each other for literary differences. And Edgar Allan Poe, quite frankly, didn't think much of Rufus Wilmot Griswold's work, which fueled this bad blood between them. The fact that they both also went after the same woman didn't help. So they had a pretty bad grudge 
and it carried on through life and death. So Griswold would write his obituary and he would fill this obituary about Poe with all sorts of lies to defame his character. He would state that Poe was a lunatic, a madman. He would say that Poe would walk the streets in madness, in sadness, talking to himself or praying as he walked down to the street. And he would say that Edgar would would make these prayers, but he would already be stating he was damned. So by writing this obituary, he was essentially trying to defame who Edgar Allan Poe was as a person. And it was just bizarre that he went through all of this effort to do this. And he also stated in this obituary, Edgar Allan Poe is dead. He died in Baltimore. The, the announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. And he did this under a false name, but it didn't take long for Griswold to be identified. Just the way he was talking, the things he was saying about Poe, these were things that Griswold had said before this obituary was, was created. And the weirdest part of this is somehow Griswold became Poe's literary executor. So anything that Poe had written, he had license over now, which is so bizarre. And he would attempt to destroy everything Poe had written and even wrote a biographical article of Edgar Allan Poe. And he would include all 1,850 volumes of Poe's work. But he would state that Poe was depraved, he was drunk, he was a drug addict, and he was insane. And he would actually falsify letters from Poe as evidence in this book. And it was so bizarre because people who had known Edgar Allan Poe had stated, like, this is, this is not true. This is ridiculous. You're going after him when he can't defend himself. He's dead. What is the matter with you? And the funniest part of this is the book by Griswold widely became known as completely accurate of Poe's life. It's bizarre because let's face it. People like to read things where they think the person was insane. And that wasn't the case here. Was Edgar Allan Poe an alcoholic? Absolutely. Did he do drugs? No. It has been widely proven he was not a drug addict. Was he mumbling to himself in the street? Only on his deathbed. But I, I digress. Griswold sought to defame Edgar Allan Poe and make him less popular. But by doing so, he skyrocketed Edgar Allan Poe's popularity, which is ironic at best. Now let's talk about 1949 to 2009. So Edgar Allan Poe, where he's buried, a bottle of cognac and three roses would be left at Poe's original grave every January 19th, and nobody knows who's done it. And 
this happened from 1949 to 2009. We still don't know who did it. We have no idea who did it. But it happened for every year on his birthday. And while this has been a tradition, nobody really knows who does it, who did it. But we know it ended January 19th, 2009. And I, I find it so fascinating that after 10, 20 years, nobody would sit there on January 19th just to see who's doing this. And to me, this is incredible that somebody went through all of this effort to hide and just place this bottle of cognac at his grave. I hope that by listening to this, you have a little bit of a mystery here. You have a little bit of history, but I hope you kind of have a little bit more appreciation for Edgar Allan Poe. Well, there are things in his life that I don't agree with marrying your cousin when she's 13. We cannot deny the fact that he has had such a influence on literature, period, that still to this day resonates. So, the best praise I can ever get from anybody is if you share the podcast with your friend. You're probably asking yourself, well, where can I follow you? Well, you can follow me on Spotify, Anchor, and a few other sites. But, you can follow me on Google Podcasts, Overcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. The best praise I can get is if you share the podcast with a friend. Is there a mystery that you want me to talk about? Well, you can email me at murdermysteryandhistory at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook, Murder, Mystery, and History. Same profile picture as the podcast. Or look at me stepping into the, the 21st century here and being like all up to date with the technology. You can follow me on Twitter at Murder, Mystery, and History. Same profile picture as the podcast. All right. So until we meet again. <laughs>